Mix in the Dark. Hey, what's up? It's my Yang from Mix in the Dark. And this week, I want to highlight two new podcasts that have been floating around my social media. And I'm very excited to listen to them. The first podcast is called Cool Convo's Podcast, hosted by Jack GV. It is a podcast that puts the spotlight on mo entertainers, musicians, artists, vloggers, etc. Basically, people from all walks of life to give us their story and wisdom. His first episode dropped about a week ago, and even though he is fairly new to the podcast scene, he has been in the arts for a while. He is a producer and musician. He is also part of HAI, H-A-I-B, which is more or less a group of content creators that came together to make content together, and they're usually very comical content. Anyways, you can find Cool Convo's podcast on YouTube. The second podcast that I want to highlight is Hmong Woman Thriving Podcast, hosted by Ariel Joher. It is a podcast that puts the spotlight on Hmong women to collect stories of resilience and strength. Her first podcast episode will be released on February 1st at 10 a.m. And I'm not biased, but I'm really excited for this one. And I just want to see what's in store for us. Hmong Woman Thriving Podcast is available to listen to on all podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I did not realize how many folks are creating podcasts these days and it's really really fun to see um, and I hope that they're not afraid to reach out to me for any collaboration ideas. Anyways let's get started with this episode. We are telling four haunted house stories. I always like haunted house stories because they're each unique and you start to realize that a lot of houses are haunted which means you could be living in a haunted house but you're just not sensitive to the ghosts, so you don't actually know you are. My husband and I were talking about the fifth dimension this one weird day and I am convinced that ghosts must exist and interact with each other in the fifth dimension. Your consciousness seems to always be alive, so where does it go when it does not have a body anymore? I had to look this up to make sure I wasn't telling you lies, but the definition of a conscious is the state of understanding or being aware. There are such ghosts in the world that can interact with humans. They're called intelligent hauntings in the paranormal investigation world. So doesn't that mean that ghosts in these intelligent hauntings have a conscience? Some people believe that ghosts actually exist in the fourth dimension, also known as the astral plane, because your consciousness still lives in the fourth dimension. Anyways, don't believe me. I haven't done enough research of my own, so someone go do the research for me because I'm all over the place on this. This is a great lead to our set of stories for this episode, so please enjoy. Story 1 Have you ever heard the voice of someone you love say your name out of the blue? But when you look or call to them, no one is actually there. There are demons in the world that will mimic your loved ones to gain your trust, get your attention, or get you to do something. They can mimic those who are alive or those who have already passed. They may say your name or something similar to what your loved ones may say to trick you and it usually happens when you are alone or know that the person you heard is not actually there. These demons are dangerous and enjoy messing around with people. I will tell you of four unexplained incidents like this that have happened to me. One time, I remember coming from my dad's house to my grandparents' house to go check on their place since they were out camping. I was with my siblings. I was putting my stuff in the guest bedroom when I heard my grandpa's voice saying something in Hmong. I headed to where I heard the noise thinking that they were home already. When I got to where I heard the noise, there was no one there. I then asked my siblings if they heard him and they all said no. 
so I just played it off pretending like nothing happened. Another time, my cousins and I were doing a sleepover at my grandparents' house. When it came to the next morning, I heard my dad calling my brother's name and moan. I then told my brother that our dad said his name, but he was confused since he did not hear it. The third time was when my grandparents moved in with my uncle and auntie. My auntie finally gave birth to their third child. One day, I told them that I would come over to babysit their kids. Their newborn was now three or four months old. When I got to their house, the youngest was sleeping. I was with my uncle in the kitchen. That was when I heard a baby crying loudly. I ran quickly to their bedroom to check on the baby to make sure that he was okay. When I went to his crib, he was still fast asleep. I told my uncle and he said that it was probably the TV. There was another experience that happened in my new home. My siblings were over. I was washing up and then I heard my mom run through the hallway. She said something, but I really can't remember what she said. I heard her run into her room and say something about her co-worker. I thought it was strange because I knew my mom had left for work that morning already. I ran out of the bathroom and asked my siblings if they heard my mom coming in the house. They all said no. Looking back, I know it could not have been my mom. Our door in the house had a sensor, so we would hear any noise anytime the doors opened. I knew I did not hear the door sensor go off before hearing my mom's voice. These voices happen to me all the time, and these are just a few times that I remember. I don't know if this is just my mind playing tricks with me or if something paranormal is actually happening around me. Story 2 one late November in 2019, a couple of friends and I decided to rent a beach house for the weekend from a personal client. My sister, Mai, and I had to work late, so we decided to drive down after work. It was around 8pm when we started driving. It would be a two and a half hour drive. The majority of the drive was through small country roads. Many of the roads were without streetlights. As we were driving, we realized that there was no one on the road but us. We got to this part where there were no homes, no streetlights, and there were fog on the ground. Jokingly, I asked Mai, if we saw a hitchhiker, should we stop and pick them up? She is a scaredy cat, so of course she said no. Then Mai started telling me about the story where two Mongais picked up a girl on their way to California. Right when she got to the part of the story about the guy seeing a girl on the side of the road, I saw a guy in the middle of the road. I swerved my car so fast to avoid hitting whatever was on the road. Of course, Mai started screaming Bloody Mary. I asked her, did you see that? She didn't, but was spooked by the way I reacted. I looked in my rearview mirror to see what was on the roads, but I couldn't make out anything because there were no streetlights. I didn't put too much thought into what just happened, but I could tell Mai was very frightened. After that incident, weird things started happening. When we arrived at the beach house, right away I noticed that it was an older house tucked at the very end of the street. Outside the house, by the doorstep, had a lot of shoes. I knew the owner didn't have any kids, and she mentioned that it was only her and her husband and sister that would occasionally stay at that house. The house had a few pieces of furniture, but they were very old. It had that old furniture smell. I thought it was strange since the owner mentioned that she would stay there for long periods of time with her sister, but it seems she barely had anything in the house. 
I didn't think too much of it and didn't share my thoughts with the others. Finally, we reunited with our friends who were already at the house. We told them about what we encountered on the road. They were already cooking dinner, so Mai and I unpacked, joined them, and we washed up for bed. The next morning, we went out to explore the town. When we got back and entered the house, we noticed it was extremely cold. Prior to leaving, we set the temperature at 75 degrees and made sure there were no opened windows. It was in the middle of November. We just turned up the heat and didn't pay much attention to it. The rest of the night, we decided to stay in, cook, and hang out. A friend in town joined us. We stayed up talking for a while and she left around 11.30 p.m. My, Amy, and I were not ready for bed yet, so we gathered around the dining area. Kim had already gone to bed. Suddenly, the radio in the kitchen went off at max volume on an old country station. We looked over the kitchen to where the radio was. On the radio, the time showed 12 o'clock, midnight. We looked at each other and just blankly stared at one another, no one brave enough to go turn off the radio. It was odd because the night before, we were using the radio but had it on low volume and on an R&B station. Finally, Amy got up to go turn off the radio. Of course, that spooked all of us and we raced to bed. My and Amy shared the room with two beds. Kim slept in a separate room next to theirs. I slept in the master bedroom on the other side of the house, divided by the living room. After everything we had encountered, I'm not sure how I was so brave to sleep by myself and on the other side of the house, completely opposite from my friends. I went to bed and it didn't take long for me to fall asleep. It wasn't until I suddenly was awoken by Mai standing next to my bed and asking, Did you hear that? Half asleep, I said, Hear what? She started saying that while trying to get settled in bed, she and Amy heard sounds of people talking outside of our window, but they could not make out the conversation. They stopped talking and quietly listened, but the voices also stopped. It was then that they suddenly heard a woman laughing really loudly, like she was right outside of the window. Amy looked outside, but could not see anyone. Mind you, the house was at the very end of the street, and at this time it seemed too late to have anyone roaming outside. Mai continued saying that after hearing the laugh, she ran to my room while Amy ran to Kim's room. Amy and Kim had joined us by now. Amy explained that she thought it was Kim on the phone, but when she checked, Kim was fast asleep. We were so scared that all four of us ended up in one bed for the night. The next morning when we woke up, the temperature in the house went back down. Once again, the house was extremely cold. We all knew the temperature was set at 75 when we went back to the house the day before, and no one would have changed it. Not wanting to spend any more time there, we packed up really quickly and left. Maya ended up getting sick for a long time. Her neck and shoulders were hurting, although she hadn't done anything that would have caused them to hurt. She started losing her appetite and did not want to get out of bed. Finally, we told my parents about what happened and my dad did an awning ritual for her. My dad said, although she did not see what I saw on the road, it seemed like it was a good spirit trying to stop us. She got spooked by it and her soul became weak. Because of that, a spirit had followed her home. 
He also said the house we stayed in didn't welcome us and for us to never go back. We don't plan to. After the ritual, Mai became better. I wasn't scared then and I don't easily get spooked, but now thinking back to all the signs, we were definitely not alone in the house. Story 3 This happened in Minnesota in the early 2000s. My parents bought a house near Lake Phelan. If you're a Hmong, you probably know of the infamous Lake Phelan and its rich history of ghost stories. The house is a split-level house with identical floor plan besides the kitchen. I'm the fourth of eight kids. We've lived there for three years. I was between 16 and 19 at the time. I will tell you about the few incidents that we've had in that home. Incident 1 my older sister was watching our sister-in-law's little sister. The little sister was maybe three or four at the time. It was just the two of them as everyone was either at school or at work. It was midday and the little sister was running around doing whatever kids do. All of a sudden, she stopped in front of my sister who was laying on the sofa and she said, Hey, who is that man right there? Pointing towards the hallway. My older sister, who's a scaredy cat, just grabbed her hand and took her to her room until my parents came home from work. Incident 2 My mom will tell us that she will randomly black out and wake up with a really bad headache. During this blackout, she'll say that an entity would drag her all the way down to a closet downstairs. This will happen to her from time to time. Incident 3 during a summer night, myself, my two younger brothers, and three younger cousins were up late playing Madden on the PS2 and chatting with the girls on this website called Hmong Pride. The downstairs living area that we were in was an open room with one path that leads down the hallway to two bedrooms at the end of the hallway. There was a laundry room to the left and a bathroom to the right. The way I arranged the living room was that our TV and game unit were on the wall directly in front of the laundry room. My PC and desk were set up to the far right by the open hallway, and we had the clear view of the hallway and bedrooms. It was late. I want to say midnight or beyond. I was chatting with a cousin on the side, and my other cousins and brothers were playing a game. My middle brother went upstairs to grab something to drink, and my cousin, who was next to me, decided to follow him. That's when we saw it. A black, shadowy figure walked from the laundry room to the bathroom. It was really close too, less than 10 feet away. My cousins were already three steps toward the hallway when we saw it. He then backed up slowly, like a Resident Evil character would, looked at me and we both asked each other at the same time, Did you see that? Me, being the oldest, told him that it's just my middle brother going upstairs. At that moment, he walked down and said, Hey, what's going on? That's when everyone panicked and we all ran upstairs and called my parents to come home. Incident 4 After that incident, I started dating and one night, I came home late. It was way past midnight when I got home. I changed and I fell asleep. Fifteen minutes passed and I was laying on my stomach looking directly at the closet door. It was opened. There, I saw a figure that looked just like my girlfriend just standing there. 
I remembered thinking to myself, what the frick? And that's when I felt it on top of me. It leaned forward and I could feel the cold breath on my neck. I was slightly still up, but also not. I was probably in a sleep paralysis episode. Side note, I'm not one to get scared of paranormal events easy, I'm more pissed off than scared, so I managed to mumble, get the F off or I'm gonna beat your motherfucking ass. I freed my left arm and swung and hit something. I got up so fast, I observed the closet and checked to see if I broke the wall as I thought I hit it with my fist. The wall was fine and it had no cracks or anything. I went and checked the laundry room, lower living room, bathroom, closets, upstairs. I feared that there may have been an intruder, but I found nothing. I quickly phoned my parents, I told them what happened, and he said that I was probably followed. Before I even finished my sentence, he was already home and cleansed the house with chance and water. I couldn't sleep all night that night. Incident 5 My Dad My dad was gifted. Around this time, my dad was starting to tap into his gift. He wasn't a full shaman yet, but the way he explained it, it was like he had Honing that would guide him. Honing are spirit guides. He would tell us stories that they would take him and go on a journey every single night to train. These spirit guides told my dad that the land where the house is built on belongs to this old couple and they are not letting it go. My dad would go into battle with this couple, but with him being so new and by himself, his body could not withhold the added blessing from the Honing to battle with the couples. So the only choice left for my dad was to take all of us and just leave, which was what we did. After we left the house, a week or two later, I was told by my mom to go and mow the lawn. I got there around 5.30 p.m. I mowed the front and worked my way to the back. I mowed the first patch in the backyard and moved further toward the last. It was getting dark and when I was mowing toward the house, I looked up the window where the living area was and noticed that the light to the hallway was on. I thought to myself, hmm, that's odd, no one is here besides me. I continued on and when I looked up again, the light was off. Just when I was about to move forward, the lower living room light turned on and off. That's when I decided, F this, I'm out. I hauled the lawnmower back to the driveway and packed it up and I left. Until this day, whenever my siblings and I get together, we will always talk about the house on English Street. Story 4 I grew up in a small town that had about 10,000 residents. My family moved around quite a bit. We rented housing instead of purchasing a home. Around the time that I would begin kindergarten, my parents finally bought a house big enough for a family twice our size. It was a four-bedroom house. My immediate family, including my parents, my older brother, and myself, we did not necessarily need that much room, but they went ahead and became first-time homeowners. I'm not at all sensitive to the paranormal. I don't think I have a third eye, as people would call it, but I ponder sometimes on the memories that I have during my childhood, and I question all of that. I've always prided myself on having a good memory. I learn best through pictures and real-life experiences, which is why I feel these experiences are ingrained in my brain. Our house was the color blue, the blue house. It was huge, at least in my five-year-old memory. 
This was a two-floor house. The second floor of the house held all four bedrooms and a full bathroom. Once you get to the second floor, the master bedroom would be to your right, and on your left, you would find a long, dark hallway like your typical horror movie with all the demons and monsters hiding. This would be where all the other bedrooms were. In the middle of the hallway on either side were bedrooms, one for my brother and the other for myself. The fourth bedroom was all the way at the end of the hallway. It was rarely used by my family. It had a door that led to an outdoor patio and, for whatever reason, no matter the season or thermostat setting in this room, it remained cold. I don't recall spending a lot of time in this room. At one point, my maternal grandma, Ornithai, lived with us for a few months and that became her room. She was sick. I remember my mom would pick her up from dialysis every other day. She sat in that bedroom alone whenever she was home. My dad bought a box TV for her and we got her a VCR player so that she could watch the moaned-up dramas that she liked. She slept on a twin-sized mattress that simply sat on the floor with no bed frame. After several months, she went back to California. Shortly after, we received news that she had passed away. Her room at our house remained untouched. Her bed was still there, the TV and VCR in its original spots. Eventually, that room turned into extra storage for all of our miscellaneous items that we did not want to store in our dingy, musty basement. I'm not sure when the blue house was built, but I knew it was old. My brother and I would sleep with our doors opened at night. I'm not sure of his reasoning, but mine was in case something were to happen or if something was in my room, I could bolt straight out of that room without having to fuss with turning a doorknob. Sometimes before bedtime, lying in our beds, my brother and I would talk to each other across the hall. Thinking back now, I wonder how many of those conversations were actually with my brother or was it with someone else? But let's not entertain that thought. Sometimes, in moments of drowsy wakefulness where I'd almost be asleep but still lucid, I would hear creaks in the hallway, as if someone were walking. Sure, old houses come with their typical moans and groans, the wind may blow things a certain way and you might hear stuff, but this was different. Even today, my brother would also confirm hearing those creaking noises. One summer day, in anticipation of the long-awaited camping trip that my family always went on each summer, I was determined to start packing. My family kept extra luggages and other bags in my grandma's old room. I realized I would need to go upstairs and retrieve it. My family of four were all on the main level. My mom must have been in the kitchen, my dad was in his office, and my brother sat in the living room playing games. I pestered my brother. Hey! No answer. He was focused on his video game. Hey, can you come upstairs with me really quick? I just need to grab something. What? I'm busy. Can you go by yourself? He muttered. Yeah, but can you go with me? No answer. Just his fingers clicking buttons on his controller. His eyes were fixed on the screen. I'll trade you my teddy bear if you do. I'm busy right now. You can go by yourself. Okay, fine. So I thought, I'm a big girl. I can go by myself. There's nothing scary up there. It's the middle of the day. Mom and dad are home. I'll be fine. 
Looking back now, I think I knew why I didn't ask my parents like some of you might be thinking. My parents were logical thinkers. I recall my many instances when I was afraid and my mom would always say in Hmong that I don't need to be scared because I have God in my heart and nothing can make me afraid. We are a believing family and from as young as I can remember, these were things my mom would tell me. My dad would say in Hmong, what are you afraid of? Don't be a scaredy cat. My dad was a little more, how should I say it, abrasive. I learned to not tell him a lot about my fears. He enjoyed horror movies and often would force my brother and I to watch horror movies with him. I hated that, but now I guess I enjoy horror films. Anyway, whenever my mom would say that, I remember always feeling guilty or that maybe I don't have a god in my heart because I am afraid. I think fear was also used as a tactic against me by the spiritual realm. Annoyed, anxious, and also still excited for camping, I mustered the courage to go up by myself. I walked up the stairs and got to the second floor. It was the middle of the day. All the bedroom doors were opened. Besides the room at the end of the hallway, of course. Even with the sun shining that day, the upstairs hallway was really dark. I moved one foot in front of the other until eventually I reached the door to the room at the end of the hallway. I grabbed the doorknob, turned it, and had leaned into the door with some force to get it to open. I remember thinking, okay, so far, nothing. It's all in my head. There's nothing up here. I started searching the piles and piles of storage, black bags filled with various bedding, clothing, and other miscellaneous items. I was still near the door just in case I needed to make an escape. However, the longer I was up there with seemingly no disturbing occurrences, the more I let my guard down. From the door of the bedroom where I was, the TV was across the room by the wall furthest from the door. As I searched and moved around the room, I got closer to the TV. Besides the horde of storage, the room was kept pretty clean. There was nothing on the floor, the bed was made, and the TV and other electronic accessories were kept on the entertainment stand. As I got close to the TV, although not close enough to bump it or even touch it, it turned on. Loud static flooded the room while the TV displayed the fuzzy black and white static screen. I don't think so. I just ran. I ran down the hall and down the stairs. I practically slid down the stairs. And I was back in the living room before anyone had a chance to recognize what had happened. My brother and mom were in the living room and saw how panicked I was. My body was coursing with adrenaline and fear. My mom frantically asked, What happened? Did you see a ghost? Between gasps of air, I managed to explain what had happened. My brother and my mom both had nervous grins on their faces. My dad, who had heard the commotion, finally came out of his office and listened. My brother and mom had no answer. My dad reasoned with me and said, You probably just stepped on the remote or bumped the TV. I answered, No, I was nowhere near the TV and the remote was sitting on the TV stand. There was a huge silence. My parents concluded that the TV was probably just on a timer and it happened to turn on while I was upstairs. As a kid who understood very little about technology and really wanted to believe that my house was not haunted, I just accepted this answer. However, I didn't dare to go upstairs alone ever again after that day. It had only been a few hours when my brother offered to go up with me. 
we both walked back up to the room at the end of the hallway. The static noise growing louder with each step we took. Everything was the way I left it. Even the door was still opened. My brother grabbed the remote and switched off the TV. I grabbed my backpack and we left. Never again did the TV ever turn on by itself, especially not during the day. Even when we moved out, we kept that TV and it never did happen again. A few years later, after this occurrence, I looked at the settings of that old TV and there were no settings for a timer. I realize now that my dad was just trying to keep things calm and to help me not be afraid. It worked. I still drive by the blue house, except the new owners have redone the siding and it's a tan house now. When I dream about the old blue house, it is usually a scary dream. I know this is probably not a scary story for many of the listeners, but it still bothers me that something might have been roaming in that house and we caught small glimpses of it. I'm glad we didn't live there long enough for me to experience anything more. Thank you for listening to Mix in the Dark. I am your host, Mai Ying. Mix in the Dark is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast series. If you have a story that you would like to share, please send it to mixinthedark at gmail.com. If there's a story that you really enjoyed, feel free to hit up my tip jar on Venmo. Just search Mix in the Dark on the business tab.